Hey everyone, and welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, Senior Director at CFGI. This is the program where we dig deeper to understand what really matters most in business. And today I'm going to be having a very interesting conversation, kind of two different conversations, if you will, but more on that later as this unfolds. I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Dale Power, who's the CEO of Big Shoes Marketing. Dale, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thanks, Dave. Uh, it's great to have you here. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who you are? Okay. Well, I started Big Shoes Marketing 20 years ago, and the name comes from uh, a comment I made to someone who um, I was talking to before I did Outward Bound, because I had to scare myself to death before I started my own business. <laughs> and I said to this, this person, I've got to step into some really big shoes to do this. And I went, wow, that's a, actually a very good name for this business. Right, it, nice. It refers to um, not only for myself to remind myself to step into those big shoes, but it, it refers to the customers and the clients I want to work with. Great. Let's talk about marketing and big shoes marketing. Okay. Um, some folks hear the word marketing and maybe they confuse it with advertising. So maybe mm -hmm. it makes sense just to kind of kick this off and oh, set man. a frame for the difference between marketing and advertising. It's such a loaded, marketing such a loaded word, as is advertising. Um, advertising is a part of marketing, of course. But to me, my definition of marketing is to bring your the deepest expression of who you are as a company and your values and um, to... Ex express that to the person that you most want to attract, to the clients you most want to attract. And so many companies just want to attract clients. Um, I prefer to attract great clients. Yeah, so one thing More comes fun. to my mind when I think about that is, is Apple, right? Everybody talks yeah. about Simon Sinek's talked about it yeah. in terms of their why, projecting yeah. who they are, what, what they're sure. about, why they're there. And when I think of the Apple customer, as he points out, you never see them sticker up an Apple laptop. Right. They're, they're, they're talking to the folks who are innovators, who are the disruptors. Yeah. Yes, purists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So they've obviously figured out a really unique differentiation strategy to start mm -hmm. with their why. Does, does every why necessarily lead to differentiation or how do yeah, companies really differentiate? Well, I mean, this is the step that most companies or a lot of companies don't bother with. Um, they really don't quite understand differentiation and they think that they have to buy a technology or put a process in place, but they don't do the homework of really understanding enough about their customer to be able to attract them. Let's talk about that and understanding the customer because our audience consists of a whole wide swath of folks in the business right. ecosystem, business owners, executives, yeah. folks that service them. and. Independently, they're all businesses, right? So whether right. it's an accounting firm that people think is a commodity or an engineering <laughs> firm, right. there's a lot of other folks in your space. You've got competition. So yeah. um, what's your advice on how companies can stand out in otherwise noisy field? Um, we always start with making maps. Um, and we talk to a lot of people in an organization because the organization will be well served to to educate their workforce on how to um, describe who they are. And a good example of that is Southwest Airlines. Um, Apple's pretty good at it too, but yeah. um, you know they give their people the freedom to express themselves in their own personal way because they hire on the values um, that, they, that the company has. But going back to the customer, um, making a map of a customer's you know what they love, what's, what everything about them, what they what they read, and this is just this is really one on one marketing stuff. 
but then we take that a little further and we really talk to um, everyone in the company about what are the objections, what are, what, what, do, what are the strengths of the company that could be brought forth. I think you and I talked the other day about, um, you know, some marketing people just want to put a white paper up on online. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that might work for an engineering firm really well, but it might not work for that well for an accounting firm because, frankly, um, unless their com- customers are really technical people, real, doing really technical work, um, you know, it may not connect with their customer. Yeah. It may not land. It may not resonate. Yeah, exactly. So when you talk about knowing your customer, mm-hmm. um, I guess there's a potential disconnect for who you think your customer is, <laughs> who you want your customer to be, and who your customer actually is. Well, you know what? You, I think most, most CEOs and most senior executives understand kind of who they want to go after. Mm-hmm. And so then it's up to the marketing people who act as guides to take you into that deeper and to ask the right questions so that then we write a persona. Um, I wrote a persona for a, one of a couple personas for one of my clients a couple years ago and my social media gal called me and she said, and one of the personas was called Allison. And she said to me, I want to be Allison. I want Allison's life. <laughs> Tell us more about what that means, the personas that you develop. Okay. Well, a persona is just a descriptor of the client and, yeah. you know, like a day in the life okay. of a client. And what, what drives them? What, what do they fear? What do they, who do they want to be most like? Yeah, their challenges, um, mm-hmm. opportunities, yeah, yeah. and so forth. Yep. Their objections. What are their objections? You know, because there are always going to be objections, and you better know how to answer them. Yep. And you better know how to anticipate them. Okay, so now we've figured out who we want to target. Right. <laughs> how do we go get them? Oh, well, I mean, I think that is very different for every company. But um, there are many, of course, there are loads of strategies. That's, that's too big a question. I'm sorry. Okay. But um, how do we go get them? Well, you find out where they are. You find out, you know, where are they hanging out? Mm-hmm. Um, where are they hanging out online? What groups are they in? Are they on LinkedIn? What do they respond to on LinkedIn? What do they need help with? How do we educate them? Yeah. Things like that. Gotcha. You, when you talked about Southwest, something I just jotted down here is the, the notion of employee as brand ambassador. Oh, yeah. How do we engage our, our employees <laughs> to carry the flag for our brand in kind of a, a marketing role, if you will. Yeah. Well, I think you, it starts with hiring, completely starts with hiring. You hire on the values that your custom, that your company has. If, you know, you have to really mean those values. So yeah. it, it, the company has to have integrity about the values they state. But um, when, when employees have those values, and I'll use another example that everybody knows, is Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's, everybody loves going to shop for tra- to, at Trader Joe's, right? Um, it's a fun experience. The people there look happy. Mm-hmm. They generally are happy. If they're not happy, they don't stay there. They get rid of people quickly if they're not a good fit. But they go through a really rigorous hiring process. And I sat with the head of JetBlue, who had been with Southwest a couple of years ago. And she said they go through about 25,000 resumes to hire one person. Now, not individually, yeah. you know, but 
Yeah, but they're really picky about who they take on. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, so then you have willingness. You know, you have somebody that wants to play on a team, and then, you know, you introduce them of how, how, to how, you know, how the company wants to express that, maybe in some bullet points, but put it around something fun and make it, you know, create a challenge around it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, there are lots of ways to do it. Yeah. So once you've identified the why and, and you're, you're playing to that, are you, we'll call it, stuck within the boundaries of that, or do you have latitude to expand the message, so to speak? Boy, I sure hope you have latitude. <laughs> um, I think it's important to give people freedom with that, mm-hmm. and um, hopefully they will, you know, if they're, if, if they're happy and they're treated well, they're going to be telling people what a great company it is. Yeah. So, I mean, and it all starts with hiring. Too many companies just think, I need a body. It, it won't matter. I can't find the right people. It'll be better to have somebody than no one. And that's, yeah. that's catastrophic. Yeah, right. Catastrophe. You can't just go, okay, they have a pulse. That's right. <laughs> I get it. That never works. No. Right? Yeah. Dale, for folks who are watching you and want to know more about how they can work with you or learn more mm-hmm. about Big Shoes Marketing, how can yeah. they find you? They can find me online at bigshoesmarketing.com. And um, Dale at Big Shoes Marketing will get them an email. I'm on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram. I haven't ventured into Twitter yet. Okay. The Twitter sphere. The Twitterverse is waiting for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Come on in. Right. Um, we have about five minutes to go in the first segment here. So okay. I wanted to just understand from your view, how has COVID-19 and this global pandemic and the way the workforce has shifted and the way people mm-hmm. are consuming content impacted the world of marketing? Oh, wow. Well, um, you know, one of the first things that people take off their list when when um, there's an emergency of any kind is they, they let go of the sales force and then they let go of the marketing people. And um, I'm very lucky I have not had that happen, but it is very typical. And it's, it, these are the two main sources of leads and income, which would make you say, it's a little bit antithetical to behavior to do that. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, that's, that's kind of a big mistake. But, and I think people are zoomed out. So I think one of the things that I loved the other day is um, I had interviewed someone a couple months ago for um, an, a LinkedIn article. And uh, he, last week he called me and he said, you know, I just wanted to circle back and say hi. And I haven't talked to you for ages and uh, wondered if you had a few minutes to just catch up. And uh, that was such a nice way of um, reconnecting and uh, maybe setting up a coffee for down the road in a, in a week or two, mm-hmm. and it, and it wasn't Zoom and it wasn't it had nothing to do with technology. It was kind of the old-fashioned route, but I kind of liked that. Yeah, nice. So you you had talked a little bit about this customer map and, and the persona, but when we were yeah. talking before we came on the air, you also mentioned something about a network map. Yeah. What what is a network map, and how does that differ from the the customer, customer map? map? Well, the network map is where you find where you're going to find the people you want to meet, and you know, so you know that goes back to the persona, and where they're where where do they hang out? What do they read? Where do they where do they interact online? And where do they interact live if they still do yeah. right now? And um, people are still interacting live, so you know, I think. Um, one of the things, you can't do it the way you used to in an office, and you can't go inside at Starbucks, but you can take a walk um, with people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the network map really is a map 
of identifying the places and people who will uh, be able to lead you into finding more people like the ones you want to be with. So um, the, the criteria for that for me is that they have to be connectors. Um, if they're not connectors, it's almost not worth bothering with because too many people just are takers. And so it's, um, you need to ask some questions about that, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, I don't know what your questions are. It would be interesting to know. But, um, you know, I, the, the hallmarks of a connector to me are people that say, have you read, have you heard of, have you met, have you um, been to, oh, you know what, I, can, I think you should meet. Yep. Those are all great signs of a connector. They're 3% of the population. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize we we're going to be talking about networking and, and hiring and so forth in the context of marketing. I didn't this is, either. This is we have about maybe 90 seconds to go in this first segment, I'm guessing here. Um, but I wanted to ask you uh, one more thing here with regard to uh, a strategy, if you will. Email marketing. Uh -huh. um, a lot of folks uh, think that if they send a newsletter that that they're they're selling to you that they're creating some kind of brand awareness and far too often I'll just hit the unsubscribe button. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit about the the email marketing and newsletters? Yeah. And how effective they are. Or well, are. I, I think it, it depends on the content a lot, and um, nobody's re doing much reading right now, especially online. It's hard to read online. So, I think the really my favorite newsletter is James Clear. Do you know who he is? Yeah. He wrote uh, Atomic Habits. And great book. And his email comes out once a week on Thursdays. It has three bullet points, um, two questions, one quote, and one thought. So, yeah, so four things that short, like no more than a sentence. Mm -hmm. And it's food for thought, some great quotes in there. And uh, it's enough to keep you him on your radar. And that's about it. No snackable bites. Yeah. Got it. We're going to take a pause here, Dale. Okay. Don't go anywhere. Great. We're going to pay a few bills and uh, do a little commercial break right now, but we'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick pause. Don't go anywhere. So I'm kind of new here, but I've noticed the trend. My human does this funny thing where she goes around and gets all my toys, and then she hides them in that basket by the door. You know, but it's always the same basket, and it's always in the, in the same place. And then she acts so surprised when I find them, but, you know, she's putting them in the same basket again. It's like, hello, that's where you put it last time. You were the worst at hide and go seek. Listen, what will make your event simply beautiful? Is it your attire, your decorations, your entertainment? Well, join me, Alicia Simone, as I chat with some amazing vendors and clientele who will share their stories and images and their experiences. Right here on RVN TV, Tuesday at 11.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 4 p.m. It will be simply beautiful. See you then. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today I'm talking with Dale Power, who in this segment is the <laughs> founder of the Encouragement Project. Yes. So, Dale, good conversation in the first segment. 
with your other hat on. Right. Let, let's talk about many the, hats. Yes. Let's talk about the Encouragement Project. Okay. Uh, tell the audience what what it is and, and how it happened. The Encouragement Project started a very long time ago, more than 20 years ago. I was working at a school for kids with learning issues, and um, I was writing a book. I was very busy. Um, you always have 10 other jobs in a private school. And um, every morning starts with an assembly, K through 12. And at the end of announcements, they go around the room with the staff and faculty, and they call out good things kids did every day, different kids. And the culture of the school was amazing. The culture of the school was positive and helpful. And um, I, had, I thought that was, I mean, it was a lovely place to work. About three weeks in, the second year I was there, um, I noticed that the new kids, who kind of come in emotionally black and blue because they've failed in other settings, although they're bright and they just don't know it, uh, they were turning around. Their behavior, their body language was turning around. And they went from not looking you in the eye to looking you in the eye. They went from not smiling to smiling. They went from not saying anything in the hall to saying hello. And I wasn't teaching, so there was no reason for them to know who I was. And I thought that was extraordinary. And I asked other people around me if they'd noticed it. Nobody noticed it. And I, I got very interested in it. And I identified that as encouragement uh, that really arced over the whole school. It was that whole culture of encouragement that made a huge difference. Because of course, it is extended to the staff and faculty as well. So it was a pretty nice place to work. And um, I read, I got interested in it. I read some books on encouragement, which I thought were not terribly exciting. And I got really busy because at the end, as you know, Dave, at the end of writing a book, it's kind of busy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little like giving birth, right? Well, you wouldn't know that, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> right. So, so fast forward, um, this whole concept of encouragement kept growing and nagging me and just nudging me. And um, I got very, very interested in the whole concept is we know that we need encouragement, each one of us. We know other people need it. And yet we are really random about the way we do it. And I read more books and I started my business, my marketing business, and that was pretty busy. So things got put on hold for a while. And then five years ago, I was at an art exhibit on an early on a Sunday morning and my phone rang and it was a fellow that I went to Villanova with a million years ago who had been a good friend. And he said, I'm calling to say thank you. And I said, what are you thanking me for? And he said, you saved my life. And I said, uh, wow, <laughs> can you remind me what I did? <laughs> and he said, you got me off drugs. And I said, I had no memory of you on drugs. And he said, well, I was smoking weed. I wasn't serious about my studies. And he said, um, you knew I wanted to go to medical school. And you sat me down and had a pretty harsh talk with me about it. And he said, I started working and gave up the weed. And he said, I ended up in Mexico in medical school, finished, came back to Chicago, passed my boards the first time. And three years in, the University of Chicago invited me to teach. Then Sloan Kettering called and gave me a fellowship. And then Harvard called and invited me to teach. And he said, I'm at the top of my career in Boston. Hmm. And I went, wow, that's quite a story. 
And he said, well, it would never would have happened except for that talk. And I realized that was the like was kick in the rear end that I needed to get going on doing something about this. Because it's so interesting, nobody's talking about this. They're yeah. talking about grit, they're talking about all kinds of things, but they're not talking about the power of encouragement. Yeah, and it's interesting, and I don't remember the name of the study, so I'll butcher it, but the conceptual framework was uh, around water. Uh, and given two different classes of water, for example, one where um, people would speak negatively to the water, Freeze oh, right. it, and then I saw that. Yeah. alternatively speaking, positive encouragement to mm -hmm. the water and freeze it, and the different crystals that would form, right. and the the water that was spoken to in a positive, encouraging way, basically flourished when it formed into ice crystals, just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Whereas the one that didn't um, get the same kind of love and attention and encouragement really looked horrible. What a so, great example. So, I mean, yeah. energetically, we get it, right? We all yes. benefit from it. I mean, are people wired to, to not be as forthcoming with, with positive feedback? Uh, no, I think it's, it's just a habit. It's just, you, it's like, a, it's, it, encouragement can be learned completely. It's a learned mm -hmm. behavior. Yeah. And it depends on how you grow up and, you know, your family and all that stuff. Yep. But it can change your life completely. And, you know, we talked about this the other day is Michael Jordan in the, la in the uh, Netflix series, The Last Dance, um, which is an incredibly interesting profile on his life. Um, and his father went to every single game. And when he didn't make the team in high school, uh, the basketball team, which is hard to imagine, um, his mother just said, get out there and play all summer and get on the team next year. And you know, encouragement isn't always happy, slap on the back, you can do this. Yeah. Encouragement can be all kinds of flavors, Yep. some, some hard. And we're gonna <laughs> jump into that. But tell folks how they can learn more about the Encouragement okay. Project. Theencouragementproject.com is one way. Um, I post on Facebook just about every day during the week. I take the weekends off. And Instagram and Maybe LinkedIn this year. Okay. Yeah. I, I warned you that I'm going to pull you into the numbers. The show's called Behind the yeah, Numbers. right. And I, I warned you that when we talk about a topic like this, that some, we'll call them skeptics who are watching and mm -hmm. listening, may wonder, how does this really apply to the business world? Mm -hmm. I want to drag you into the numbers and, and ask you, call you out on it here and ask, how does encouragement impact the business world and why do leaders need to pay attention to this? Mm -hmm. Well, I, f I find it really interesting, having been in the business world for 20, well, more than 20 years, about 35 years, um, I think it's very interesting that business leaders think that the business skills are more important than the soft skills. Um, it's very important to have expertise in your area. There's no question about it. But the people that have good soft skills are the ones that achieve everything. Yeah. You know? I mean... You know, what, what's been your, your result, if you will, uh, in changing either top line, bottom line, retention, any, we'll call them KPIs, the metrics that leaders mm -hmm. may look to to understand, because I get it, and there's a lot of folks out there yeah. who do get it, but for the ones that don't, help them connect the dots between the encouragement and the impact on performance. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, there are studies, and I, you know what, I'll post some of those coming in the weeks coming up um, on, on that particular uh, subject because I don't have them in my head right okay, now. Okay, no, that's fair. But um, you know that, you know, I, I think that you can just use any good culture 
versus any bad culture. Have you worked? Have you ever worked in a place that was just terrible to work in? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we all have. And have you ever worked in a place that is amazing to work in? Yeah. And what was the difference in performance? Oh, just night and day. I mean, part of my book and my journey in, in discovering what employee engagement and discretionary effort was, was born from the discrepancies or the, the dichotomy of working for someone that you would walk through fire for and right. someone who didn't care about you and likewise you returned the right. favor. So the, the key that you just said is connectedness. It's the connectedness between people and especially between leadership and the people that they manage that is the key and if you can build that connectedness it's people will walk through fire for you right so for the folks that aren't wired that way and don't have that mm -hmm. organically how, how do you advise mm -hmm. them to, to exhibit those those tendencies when they may be thinking look i don't have to be your friend at work you know we're work colleagues and you get paid and that should be enough right um, well, if I have the opportunity to work with them, and sometimes I choose to and sometimes I choose not to, um, if they're open to exploring that, then I would set up some tests for them, some experiments for them to do themselves and let them experience the difference uh, and then re reflect on that. Interesting. Very good. What else can you share with us about the Incursion Project in the 60 seconds or so that's left? Maybe? Okay. Um, well, being intentional about encouragement is important. Also understanding the skills. And in the, on the website, um, I list a, a number of ways that you can, and they're easy. They're little things. Can you share a couple real quick? Sure. I mean, handwritten notes. Um, everybody thinks notes are old, passe, gone. Yeah. And um, I had a client that started writing notes, and people called him to thank him for their notes. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, because it's so unusual now. You know, snail mail has become a wonderful gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, back when uh, we were all in the offices together, there, there were opportunities for public showings of appreciation, yes. you know, yeah. ring, ringing the bell yeah. and accepting an award or things yeah. like that. How do we do that in, in this environment in a work from home situation mostly? Well, you know, I mean, if, if someone is running a business and they have Google My Business or they get Google reviews, um, share those reviews with the people that have done the work. Yeah, expound on that. They're not throwing okay. me off the set yet. Expound okay. on that because right. you shared that with me before you we went on the air. Uh -huh. It was an interesting story. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of companies get reviews because your your website ratings depend on, to some degree, on that. And um, so, you know, but that stops right with the person whose desk they cross. And, you know, if you're working for a company, you're not going to your website to look at how many reviews you've gotten and what they say usually. In fact, I would venture to say most, most employees don't look at their websites at all. Yeah. So, um, but that person who gets those reviews could, could send those along. Yeah, and what happens is the folks on the receiving end of it start to understand that what mm -hmm. they're doing really makes a difference and yeah, how it impacts exactly. the, and the end of the food chain. So a little speak. note of appreciation at the bottom of that yep. would be good, too. Very good. That was them telling me we do have to get off the set. Great. Now. So, okay. <laughs> Dale, thanks. I'm glad we snuck in a thank couple you. extra ones there at the end. Yeah. Um, and thank you for joining me on, you, on Behind Dave. the Numbers today. Thank you for watching and listening to Behind the Numbers. Uh, we've had two separate conversations here with Dale Power today. <laughs> uh, we've been talking marketing and we've been talking about the Encouragement Project. And as Gail, Dale said, you can find her on social and all the various websites that she mentioned here. Do reach out to her to learn more. And if you'd like to learn more about me, you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. 
Uh, please do hit the subscribe button on wherever you're watching or listening so you can stay in contact with us. And until next time, take care, everybody. We'll see you again on Behind the Numbers. Thank <laughs> you.